from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CER podcast. My name is Sophia Besch. I'm a research fellow here at the CER and today I'm in conversation with Charles Grant, who is our director here at the Center for European Reform. Hi, Charles. Hi, uh, Sophia. Good to be here. We want to talk about your latest piece, which was on Macron. You called it, Is Macron Becoming Isolated in Europe? And I'm just going to ask you a few questions about it. In this piece, you wrote that when Macron became president, he had two main goals. The first was to reform the French economy and the second to build a stronger eurozone. How is he doing so far? Well, he's doing well on the first goal, but I'm worried about the second goal. And of course, he links the two goals because I think his plan was to reform the French economy, to give himself credibility with the Germans and others to take his ideas seriously on Eurozone reform. He knows that the Germans have a very different view of the Eurozone from him because when he was economy minister several years ago, he tried and failed to get the Germans to shift their policy on the Euro. But he thought if I reform the French economy, that'll give me more credibility than Francois Hollande had. And so the Germans will have to give me some of what I want. And on, on that first goal, he's doing quite well. He's done a serious labor market reform. He's reformed parts of the education system, some reformers of unemployment benefits and training. He's busy taking on the railway unions and seems to be winning that fight to reform SNCF, the French railway. So he's done quite well on that front. But as far as I can see, that doesn't yet mean that the Germans are dancing to his tune on the Eurozone. So why is Germany resisting Macron's plans for the Eurozone? Why is he not being rewarded for his reforms in Berlin? Well, part of the problem is intellectual. The German financial and political establishment has a different view of the economic fundamentals of the Eurozone from many people in France, Britain, America, Italy and other places. The German financial establishment believes the Eurozone is fundamentally okay. There's no serious, drastic structural problems. Uh, Germany and other countries are growing quite well. Some countries have problems like Italy and Greece. That's because they haven't done their homework. They just need to obey the budgetary rules with more discipline and enact painful structural reforms. Then things will be fine. And the Germans point to Spain as an example of a country that did do difficult structural reform and has now moved from being a problem country to a successful economy. So that's the German view. The French view is the Eurozone is plagued by a fundamental problem of divergence. But there's a bigger gap in national income and per capita income between the south of Europe and the north of Europe than there was before the Eurozone started. The productivity gap between Italy and Germany is growing. And the French believe that part of the problem is caused by a lack of demand management and excessive austerity imposed, particularly in the early years of the Eurozone crisis. So they think you have to look at the level of demand in the Eurozone as a whole, and they want elements of a transfer union whereby the richer countries in the north transfer some money to the south through eurobonds or other sorts of transfer mechanism or in Macron's case the eurozone budget. So that's the fundamental divergence. The, the Germans just don't agree with Macron's analysis. Secondly, even if Merkel wanted to help him, and perhaps she does for political reasons, she's weaker than she was politically since the election. She has a small majority in parliament. Her own party, the CDU and its CSU allies are restive. They are not happy with the idea of a transfer union. If she tries to give Macron significant amounts of what he wants, they could probably rebel and could defeat her government. Uh, that's another problem. The third reason is that Germany has allies now in resisting French pressure for Eurozone reform. There's a new so-called Hanseatic League led by the Dutch of Baltic, Nordic countries and the Irish, of countries committed to financial discipline and opposing any kind of transfer union in Europe. So if Merkel was tempted to go soft on Macron, 
The Dutch and their friends would block Eurozone reform. And finally, there's Italy. Italy now has a government, a new Eurosceptic government, very potentially hostile to Germany and certainly opposed to budgetary discipline and structural economic reform. This gives the Germans new reasons to oppose any kind of transfer union. They will say, look at this problem country, Italy, to the south. They will take our money and run with it if we transfer money to the south. And it gives the reasons an excuse to say no to Macron. So for all those reasons, there's a lot of opposition to Macron's ideas in Germany. There has been some movement, though, recently. Angela Merkel has given an interview to the Frankfurter Allgemeine Sonntagszeitung, the FAS, that was meant sort of as a belated response to Macron's reform plans. And she was just in time, you could say, with the European summit coming up at the end of June. One of the reforms that she proposed was that the ESM, the European Stability Mechanism, could evolve into a European monetary fund. Could you just briefly explain what that means and then how does France feel about it? Well, there is a potential convergence between France and Germany on the idea of the ESM, the stability mechanism, becoming an EMF, a monetary fund. The problem is that France and Germany have different ideas as to what this EMF should do. For the French, there is already this bailout fund, the ESM, which is there. It has bailed out countries, but it's rather small. It's going to become a backstop to the Banking Union Resolution Fund, and the Germans agree to that to strengthen the Banking Union. But the French also want it to be bigger and better so that it can lend to countries in trouble. In particular, they want it to make precautionary loans to countries before they lose access to the bond markets, when they're beginning to get into trouble but are not too badly in trouble. And the Germans don't mind the idea of a European monetary fund, but they see it as a way of imposing discipline on the countries receiving the money. They would say any money from a loan to a government must have conditions attached on structural reform. And they would also say writing off debts. The Germans are insistent that if the EMF or the ESM lends money to a country, sovereign bondholders should lose through the restructuring of debts. In a way, it's quite reasonable to say that countries that have too much debt should have their debts restructured so they become smaller. The trouble is, if sovereign bondholders see this happening, they will be too scared to lend to other Eurozone countries. And the French worry that this would lead to panic in the financial market. The French and the Germans have very different views of what the EMF should and could do. I suspect they'll probably agree to take things forward and agree some joint plan for an EMF, but we'll leave for now the difficult questions of whether it's more French or German in its characteristics. What about the French proposal for a Eurozone budget, which has received a lot of attention? How do you see that debate developing in Europe and who is in favour and who is against a Eurozone budget? Well, this is the big one for Macron. I mean, Macron's other big idea is creating a European finance minister responsible to a Eurozone assembly of elected representatives. That's not going to happen for a long time. The big idea he thinks that might happen is a Eurozone budget just for Eurozone countries that would, in his view, give money or rather lend money to countries in difficulty to stabilize them when they suffer from some sort of economic shock and to bring around real convergence between the north and the south of Europe. The French think he has elements of a so-called transfer union. The French idea is that, that every country should pay into the budget, that when countries experience uh, economic output declining, they should get money out of the budget, the shortfalls should be met through bond issues, and when countries are in better health, they should repay the budget. That's the French idea. The Germans and their Dutch allies don't like this at all because they don't like to see elements of a transfer union created in the Eurozone. They also wonder why you need a special Eurozone budget when there's an EU budget already there. 
what's so special about the Eurozone budget. The French answer is partly that they're trying to build up the Eurozone into a separate set of institutions, and they say, why should a poor country like Romania outside the Eurozone have to pay money into a Eurozone budget that is for the benefit of countries in the Eurozone? So the, the fundamental difference that the French want to transfer union and the Germans do not is, is surfacing again as a sort of sop to Macron. Merkel has proposed a small budget uh, she said she could live with a small budget of a few tens of billions of euros a year, which is roughly the same size as a eurozone budget proposed by the European Commission. That's not enough for the French. They want a big, big budget. And Macron's talked of several percentage points of GDP. That's for the birds, but he certainly wants something bigger than 25 or 30 billion euros. And I suspect uh, the final agreement at this summit on the 28th and 29th of June will be steps towards a small eurozone budget. But it won't please the French who want something bigger and the Germans are insisting that it shouldn't really be a transfer union. So there's plenty of arguments to come on that. So you've spent time in Paris and in Berlin, and you've spoken to some of the highest ranking officials there. What's your impression? What is the state of the Franco-German relationship now? Merkel has made Macron wait a long time for her response on his years on reform proposals. And we've just heard that that response was then sort of disappointing. What does that mean for the Franco-German motor that both Paris and Berlin like to talk about? Well, as has often been the case, and I've followed the Franco-German relationship for 30 years, and as often has been the case in the last 30 years, there are moments of tension and moments of irritability. And I think the last few months have been a relatively irritable phase. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration in Paris that Merkel has not responded to Macron's ideas on the euro. He's, she's now partially responded with her FAZ interview just recently. And I picked up in Berlin frustration with the French for being frustrated with the Germans. And certainly when Macron went to Aachen and Mrs. Merkel gave him the Charlemagne Prize in May, and he complained that the German current account and budget surpluses were a problem because they were built at the expense of others, and he said the Germans shouldn't fetishize these surpluses, that went down very badly in Berlin. So there's a lot of irritation. But of course, they always come together and solve the problems. France and Germany know, especially with the British on the way out, that the future of Europe depends more than anything else on their cooperation. So although they have their differences and their annoyances and their quarrels, and they'll always have them, they've been quite bad recently, I'm sure they'll come together at the Brussels European Council at the end of June and find a compromise and then try and find a way forward. I mean, especially with the Trump stuff makes that more necessary. I mean, they've, they have slightly different views on how to handle Trump. The French have been tougher, the Germans have been softer, and both think the other tactic isn't very effective. But with Trump has been so shocking to them, pulling out of the G7 communique, uh, imposing trade sanctions on the EU, that they know that faced with these kind of external challenges, they need to work together and give Europe some stability. And the Italian situation is another reason why they will certainly work together. One of the policy areas where Paris and Berlin seem to find it a bit easier to work together recently has been defense. France has made some proposals on how to strengthen European defense most recently with this idea of a European intervention initiative. And in her interview, Merkel sort of vaguely indicated that Germany might be ready to support that initiative. How does that feed into your understanding of the Franco-German relationship? I think this is quite a good move from Merkel for the Franco-German relationship because until recently, Germany had been hostile to the Macron idea of a European intervention initiative. Partly because the Germans have been right behind PESCO, the permanent structure of cooperation, which is a kind of rival idea within the EU structures for 25 countries to get together in a club and do things in defence. The French, not unreasonably, said if there's 25 countries involved, it's going to be lowest common denominator outputs. Let's have something smaller and selector and quicker that can involve the British that's not formally part of the EU, hence Macron's idea for a, a European inter intervention initiative, a defence idea that would be smaller and sleeker and quicker. 
The Germans didn't like it because it wasn't an EU body, but they've now, according to Merkel, prepared to consider it uh, quite seriously. And I think I think this was the major give to Macron that she made in her FAZ interview, which is a kind of compensation for the fact that she didn't say as much as he wanted on the Eurozone. And I'm sure it's helped to improve the atmosphere uh, between France and Germany. But I would just add that Macron wouldn't think that's an adequate trade-off because he really believes, rightly or wrongly, and I think he's partly right, that the Eurozone is going to be unstable in the long run without serious radical reform of the sort that he's outlining. So it's he's not going to be happy to live with a few small concessions in his direction on defence, indeed on the Eurozone, such as we've seen from the Germans. What's the way forward then for Macron? How do you expect him to press on with his plans for Europe? What are the next big things that we should look out for after the European summit? Well, Macron's problem is he's quite isolated in Europe. As we've said, the Germans and many North European countries oppose his ideas. I think the new Spanish government is sympathetic to his ideas. The Italian government is just a can of worms to deal with. Nobody knows quite what difference that'll make. But I think looking ahead, Macron is, is worries a lot about the European elections. They're less than a year away. And if... Marine Le Pen's Rassemblement National does well in France compared to his own list of candidates. If in the European Parliament the Eurosceptics have the biggest group of MEPs, that would be seen as a defeat for him. So he really wants to do well in the European elections and takes them very seriously. He doesn't like the so-called Spitzenkandidaten system whereby the lead candidate of the political party in Europe with the most MEPs automatically becomes commission president. He doesn't like that idea. And he hopes that after the elections, a new Macronist grouping can emerge in the European Parliament, taking people away from the European People's Party, the centre-right, and the part of European Socialists, the centre-left, and the Liberal group for a new centrist force in the European Parliament. Very ambitious, very bold. His advisers talk of appealing over the heads of European leaders to get voters to vote for candidates who would support such a centrist grouping. But it's quite dangerous because it's going to upset the European People's Party, whose de facto leader is Angela Merkel, who won't like Macron trying to break up her political party's stranglehold of European jobs. So there's potential conflict with other European countries lying ahead if Macron is as ambitious as he thinks he might be for the European Parliament and the European elections. Charles Grant, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the CER podcast and thanks to Beth Oppenheim, our editor. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter, CER underscore EU.